The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word. I'm really excited for it. There's a few things that I want you to, to, to consider. You can write these down if you like. I recommend it because these are points that we're going to look for as we search through the Scripture together, okay? When we're going to find what God instructs. What God instructs. You could write what God commands. I, I think it would be fine to say that. It is an instruction, but God's instructions are commands. I mean, if God gives you an instruction saying, hey, don't eat fruit from that tree, that's a commandment, right? But I think for us, it's easier to receive instructions than commands because we're, we, we just have an easier time processing that. So we're going to look at God's instruction here. Not suggestion, but instruction. God's instruction. What God instructs. We're going to see that. And then a the second thing we're going to find is a very important biblical recipe. You know, a recipe is, is combining ingredients to, to alter their state and create something that can nourish or, or assist or help, right? I mean, we go in the kitchen and we whip up some tasty grub. And I don't want to talk about that too much or else you'll be thinking about tasty grub and wanting to get out. But there's, there's something that we need to see, a, a recipe, a formula, so to speak, that we need to be really aware of in order to have the things that God is requiring us to have in our lives. We're going to see that in the Scripture. And then there's a third thing if we're taking these down, you can write this down. The key to releasing the power of God. The key to releasing the power of God. Now, this one is really incredible to me. I think it's absolutely a necessity that we believe this, that we see it, and that we, we pursue it, that we embrace it, and it becomes a part of our life. I love to talk about the power of God. We sing about the power of God. We celebrate the power of God when we receive communion together and all of these things. But I want to see the power of God flowing through my life just like Jesus. And God's made us to be just like Jesus. And we can know and function in the power of God just like Jesus. And if that sounds wrong to you, call me up. 325-260-8438. We can just chat. I won't argue with you, but I'd love to talk with you about that. Because God's making us just like Jesus. All right, here we go. Let's get into the Word. I mentioned before we're going to find out what God instructs, okay? Let's just start with that. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to ask you to open them up to the book of Joshua. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Now, the Word here is coming from God. God is speaking, and He's speaking to Joshua. Now, here's what Joshua is, okay? Joshua is a man that believes in God and he has a purpose on his life, okay? So let's just equate ourselves with this situation here, okay? How many of you in the room here are people? Okay, so you're a person, right? All right. You're a person, and, and how many of you in the room here uh, believe in God? Okay, so the hands go up. So now, listen, we got, we got two out of three here going. You're just like Joshua right now. You're a person. You believe in God. And then how many of you believe that God has a purpose for your life? Okay, so there you go. Now we're, we're batting a 1,000 now. A person that believes in God and has a purpose for their life. That's what Joshua is in this situation. And God comes to this person 
who believes in him and has a purpose for his life that he knows God has for him. He, 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 he's aware keenly, God has something great for me to do. It's just like you. And here's what God tells Joshua, and it's the same thing that God would say to me or to you because, you know, you're a person and you believe in God and you have a purpose. God says this, Joshua 1.9, he says, have I not commanded you? And there's a question mark there. Now, when you see that, you need to understand that this is a, a reminder. There's no sarcasm. God's not sarcastic. He's not interested in belittling or beating down. He builds up. And so that question there is to reveal the gentleness of this conversation. It's not a demand. God is not showing up on the scene and insisting to have his way, but he's coming very gently like a father to a son saying, hey, son, I've been teaching you this. Don't you remember? This is what we've been working on. It's gentle. It's intentional. It's compassionate. And it's affirming. And then here's what he says. Be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. That's the instruction that God would give me and you. It's the instruction that he gives Joshua. As we laid out those three things, saying first we're going to find out what God instructs, that's it. God is instructing me, he's instructing you, he's instructing us to be strong and courageous. To not be afraid. And the reason why we can be free from fear and frustration and anxiety is because God's with us. And I love that he says wherever you go. I mean, you could really twist the mind and the attitude of some people if we were to sit and break down that verse. That he doesn't say, hey, listen, I'm going to be with you wherever I go, so try to keep up. You better follow tight, because if you stray, too bad. But he says all of these things, and he ends it with this wonderful extension of grace wherever you go. And I mean, that's the kind of love and compassion I want to have for my kids, right? Where I can just look at him and say, son, no matter what, I'm going to love you with everything I have. Now, if that's how I can see it or that's how you can see it, I got news for you. I'm really flawed, okay? Now, some of you don't have many flaws, but you know you got a few. But here's God in all of his perfection saying, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid and don't be anxious because I'm going to be with you wherever you go, even if you make a wrong turn. Now that be strong and courageous is an instruction. It's nothing new. In fact, it's been spoken before. If you want to write a verse down for your notes, take down Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. How many of you know Jesus will never leave you or forsake you, right? Okay, we say that a lot in church, and we should, rightfully so. We'll put it in our songs that God will never leave us or forsake us. This is where that comes from. This is the origin of that awareness and that mentality that Jesus won't leave me or forsake me. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. That same instruction is being released to me and to you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or tremble at your enemies. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Now, 
How many of you have enemies, right? I mean, that's a good question to ask. How many of you have enemies, things that are working against what God has for your life? Hands aren't flying up right now, but I know you're thinking about them. You could probably call them by name. Now, I've got one issue. If your enemies have formal names, like they're people, that's not your enemy. Because the scripture promises we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, right? I mean, maybe some wives are sitting next to their husbands and thinking, well, can I say his name here in church? Would, would that be wrong if I just yell out his name, you know? I got news for you. Your husband's not your enemy. Now, there may be some spirits that work through your husband that are the enemy, you know? I think there's a spirit of chauvinism over this area, this land. I really do. And I think it's invaded certain elements of the church where you see women highly oppressed. And I think that's really shameful. That's personal opinion. Again, 325-260-8438. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We deal with the things that are, are you know, in, in the heavens, there's spiritual wickedness in heavenly places and principalities and powers and all of those things. Those are the things that we deal with. Those are the things that are our enemies. We have those enemies. And we can function in a life that is free from anxiety concerning those enemies because of one simple awareness that God's with us wherever we go. And I love this, and I want to make you aware of this as well. God will never ask you to do something or be something and not equip you to do it or be it. That God's instruction to be strong and courageous is not just a demand. He's not pulling the pin on a grenade, tossing it to you and saying, I hope it works out. You're going to have to be strong and courageous, so let's see how you do. And think about Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus in the midst of a horrible storm where people are screaming and crying out that they're, they're perishing and they're dying. I mean, the chaos and the terror and the boat sinking and all of that. And Jesus stands and he looks into the storm and just... Peace. Be still. So think about that for a moment. We can be assured of this. When Jesus stands and he says, peace, be still, he's not giving the storm advice on how to be less violent. He's not giving it suggestions on how to maybe uh, be a little more friendly to those around it. He's imparting peace when he says it. Peace. So when God stands before Joshua, or remember you're a person that believes in God and has a purpose, when God speaks this to you and says, be strong and be courageous, he's not just giving you advice or maybe setting the bar. I hope you can clear that hurdle. If you can't, life's going to be really hard. But he's imparting it. Be strong and be courageous. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Be strong and be courageous. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. I won't fail you. I won't forsake you. I know it's tough, and you have to step out, and you can't see what you're stepping out into, but be strong and be courageous because I'm going to be with you wherever you go. So courage. Courage is this instruction, but more than an instruction, it's this impartation when God speaks to us concerning our identity as his sons and daughters with a purpose. Now, you know, I keep a, a relatively small library, right? I mean, you've you got your Bible and your concordance and you've got your dictionary. Because it's really hard to understand the Word of God if you don't understand the words that make up the Word. 
So I want to go to the dictionary and look up courage. Let's do that together. If we look up courage, here's the definition that you'll find, generally speaking. Courage. Mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Now, I read that definition and the brakes kind of come on. They stop because there's a lot going on there, right? There's a really powerful word there, by the way, a really powerful word. And I don't even know if it's intended to be there, but for the sake of where we're going today, let's just say it's intended to be there. The most powerful word I see in that is the word and. Will you say and? Yeah, I want to say this one more time. Mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand. It doesn't say to venture, persevere, or withstand. It's not saying, hey, you know, it's one of these three things. It can be different things for different people. But courage is going to involve venturing. You're going to have to step out. Persevere, meaning you're going to have to endure against hardship. And withstand, meaning withstand, you're there when all the hardship is gone. You made it and it's gone. You outlasted it. So when I think about courage, I realize according to the holy book of Webster's dictionary, it's going to involve those three steps. Because that one little word, and, not or. If I want to function in courage, I'm going to have to first venture. Then I'm going to have to persevere. Then I'm going to have to withstand. I'm going to have to outlast my enemies. And isn't it amazing when you consider that and then you have scriptures come to mind like, blessed are the overcomers, the one who endures to the end. Courage. The mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Listen, courage is a priority. I think that's why God speaks of courage when he tells us he's never going to leave us, never fail us, never forsake us. I think it's why he imparts courage to people that believe in him and have a purpose on their life. Remember, that's you, right? It's why he imparts it. Because it's necessary. Now, I want to just diverse for a moment to something. When you became a believer, don't answer this out loud, why did you do it? I mean, we all have different reasons. You know that you have a specific reason, and the person next to you's reason is probably different. But for us here, a lot of times the gospel, which has been reduced to a little track that you can leave in the restaurant bathroom, basically just says, hey, if you don't become a Christian, you're going to burn in hell, right? Well, now, that's, there's a lot more to it than that. But if we water it down to that, we can actually miss out on the reality of heaven and hell and life and death. We can miss out on the importance and the necessity of courage because I've got news for you. It takes courage to be a Christian. But I want to talk to you about the priority of courage here for a moment. And I think because we're aware of, you know, giving your life to Jesus so that you can live and be in heaven versus uh, die and, and suffer. Because that's so black and white and we're all familiar with that. I want to show you how important courage is and I want to talk to you about hell for a second. Okay? Now don't check out on me. I know it's hot in here, right? 
That's not to add to the effect of talking about hell and suffering. Though it does help. I'd like for you to write it down for your notes. You can write down Revelation chapter 21. And you can read verses 5 through 8. Now, you can read it in your own time. I'm going to paraphrase parts of it. But Jesus is speaking here and he's revealing, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm making all things new. And he begins to speak of the rewards of righteousness for those who thirst for it and those who hunger for it. You'll see his exact words in there. He says this. He says, to the one that desires to drink, I will give him from the springs of the water of life without cost, meaning he'll pay the price. And he who overcomes, that means outlasts, that means endures, that means perseveres, everything that, re- that courage is made up of, he who outlasts will inherit these things. And those are the heavenly things, the life-giving things. And I will be his God and he'll be my son. Man, that's awesome. And then we have another powerful word in the scripture, but, but. And then he begins to describe hell, and he describes the lake of fire, and, and what Revelation refers to as the second death. You'll see it in there, but it's eternity outside of the presence of God. It's absolutely terrible. And he describes hell. He's describing who all is signed up for heaven, right? Those who, who thirst and they drink of the water of life, which is Jesus, And those who overcome, who live a life of courage and persevere and endure and make it and outlast all of the trial and tribulation. Those are the ones that he will be their God and and he'll call them his son. That's awesome. And then he says, now listen, the lake of fire, it's reserved. And he goes down a list. He goes down a list. Murderers and, and immoral people and sorcerers in this list. You want to know what's number one on the list? Number One on the list. A list that contains the following. Abominable, murderous, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, liars. Number one on that list, the cowardly. That's interesting at least, isn't it? The cowardly. It makes me want to take courage really seriously. It makes it pop off the page when I begin to see God impart to Moses and to Joshua. When I hear the words of Jesus, even when he stands before his disciples and opens up his statements with fear not. There's a need for us to be courageous people. And God is imparting courage so that we can fulfill his call on our lives, the purpose that's my life and your life. Now, this is an amazing thing to me to ponder and consider, and it makes me want to find out how do I get courage in my life? I mean, how do I get it in my life? I'm inspired by courageous things. I mean, if you went and you looked at a list of favorite movies, you would see heroes who did really courageous things. I'm obviously attracted to it. You are too. You know it. And there's something about it, but how do we get that? How, How is it not put in our life through popular culture? How is it not put in my life through Hollywood? How is it that courage can be real in me and not the idea of charging into a hailstorm of bullets or something along those lines? What is it that God's talking about when he talks to Joshua and says, you're going to need this. You're going to have to be strong and courageous. Remember, I've been talking about it to you for a long time. Don't forget it. And listen, I'm going to be with you everywhere you go.
Courage. I want to talk about how to get courage. How to get courage. I mean, I mentioned before we're going to find out a a very biblical recipe. We're going to find that out in a moment. But I want to give you a couple of verses to lead up to it. If you have your, your notes there, write this down. Psalm 31, verse 24. Psalm 31, verse 24. Remember, we want to know how to get courage. We know we need it. We got to have it. How do we get it? Psalm 31, verse 24 reads like this. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Okay, now I want to stop there. Let your heart take courage tells me something. It tells me that courage is always a choice. I can let my heart take courage or I can close off my heart to courage. It's a decision that we can make in any situation or any circumstance. Whatever we're faced with at any given moment, courage is a choice. You know what? That's actually really liberating. That means that it's not a situation where some are born with it and others aren't. I think because of some people's life experience, they can become more inclined to lean that way because they've seen God deliver time and time and time again. So it gets easier for them to put their trust in God. But know this. In this situation, for any given person, there's not one person more gifted to be courageous than another. Courage is not a spiritual gift. It's a choice and a decision. Be strong and let, allow your heart to take courage. Now here's the last part of the verse, and we need to pay very close attention to this. All of you who hope in the Lord. Be strong. Be courageous. Let your heart take courage. All of you who hope in the Lord. I read it forward like that and it's poetic. I read it backwards and it starts to make sense. It's an instruction. When we hope in the Lord, we give our heart the opportunity to take courage and then we can be strong and courageous. When we hope in the Lord, we give our heart the opportunity to take courage and we can be strong and courageous. So it all starts with hope. We need to be a people of hope. Now this is a really awesome thing when we catch it and when we catch it rightly. Because there's two things going on in the world today as it concerns hope and what we're discussing here. There's hope and there's wish. There's hope and there's wish. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians are walking around today wishing for God to do something rather than hoping for Him to do something. Now, I want to break down the difference because I think it's really important that we catch this. We're going to go back to the holy book of Webster's Dictionary. And we're going to look up hope. Here's hope. Are you ready? Hope. To desire with anticipation or expectation. To desire with anticipation or expectation. Now if you look up wish, here's wish. To desire or want. To desire or want. So what's the difference between the two? Well, the difference is expectation, anticipation. When the word promises us that our hope is God, that we put our hope in Him, 
It's because He has revealed through His Word that He's faithful, that He's just, that He's gracious, that He's compassionate, that He is who He is, that He's a healer, a provider, that He's present, that He hears, that He's near to us. It's the reason why He's revealed His name to us or His names to us over and over and over again so that we can hope in those. I anticipate that you'll do what you say you do. I expect that you'll do what you say you do. Therefore, I'm hoping in you. Without that anticipation, without that expectation, we're left with wishing. And that's one of the reasons why there's such a strategy to strip the Word of God away from believers. Our enemy hates the Word of God because our God is the, uh, or the Word of God is the source for all hope in God. The reason why I can hope for Him to heal is because I've seen in the Word that He promises to do it. The reason why I can hope for Him to provide is because I've seen in the Word He says He will. And, and churches across America... The word is disappearing. And it's happening subtly. And there are even religious leaders that don't realize it, but we're responsible for it. But I can believe God to turn those things around with a revival that's founded upon the word that releases the people of God to hope in the word of God, to put their trust in God himself because they have an expectation and an anticipation for the things that they desire and need. To be a people who stop wishing and begin hoping. So we know hope is necessary. Remember, hope is necessary to be strong and courageous. Just like the psalm said, be strong and courageous. Let your heart take courage, all of you who hope in the Lord. Remember, run it backwards. Hope in the Lord and open up the opportunity for your heart to take courage and then be strong and courageous. Hope is a necessity. Now, I want to give you what I told you we would find earlier, that very important biblical recipe. Now, if you're wondering what we're cooking, we're going to cook some hope. Because hope consists of, of two parts. And if you have one of those parts, well, that's good. If you have the other part, well, that's good. But you put them together and woo! You know, woo is Hebrew for that's awesome. <laughs> woo! I'd like for you to write down a verse for your notes. Okay? Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13, it reads like this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Well, that sounds pretty awesome, right? The God of what? The God of hope. Now may the God of hope. Now here's what I want to do. I want to stop there. Now I know you're reading ahead and that's okay because I know you're excited about what God's speaking to you. But the God of hope, that word of there is a possessive word. You could say that this is Preston's Bible, or you could say this is the Bible of Preston. You'd be saying the same thing. So we're seeing something here that God possesses hope. There's really no hope outside of him. He is the God of hope. That all of the hope that any person could ever possibly have is going to have to come from one source, and it's God. Now may the God of hope, 
the God who possesses it all, fill you with joy, hallelujah, and peace. Thank you, Jesus, in believing. Man, I'll take that. And then you have this, right? So that, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. All of this statement here has a really awesome so that. Will you say so that? Yeah, see, so that is important. That whole first statement that just sounds so awesome has a purpose behind it. That's not the end, that's the means to the end. Now may the God of hope, may he fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Well, that sounds pretty good, but that's not the end. It gets better. So that, he's going to do that so that this will happen. So that you'll abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to abound in hope, and he's the God of hope. But he's going to put two things in us in order for us to abound in hope. Did you see what those two things were when we read the verse? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope. When I'm short on hope, when I'm in a situation where it feels hopeless, I know there are two things that need to come together and collide in order to produce hope. I need joy and I need peace. Don't you think it's interesting, maybe even amazing, dare I say miraculous, that Jesus would come and say, I've come and said these things so that you may have my joy and your joy may be made full. And then he would stand and say things like, hey, peace I give but not as the world gives. This isn't a compromise situation. This is a surrender and a takeover and you're never going to look back and wish you hadn't. Peace I give you not as the world gives. And of course, we know throughout the scripture that peace surpasses our understanding and guards our hearts and our minds. Joy and peace. When we can take joy and peace, everything that Jesus brings into our lives, and we can function in those two things, we've got hope. Take one part joy, one part peace, mix thoroughly, and you're going to have a nice bowl of hope. And it's the hope that lets us open up our heart to receive courage, to function in courage, to operate in courage that lets us be strong and be courageous. I want to skip ahead here. Courage is so important and such a necessity. It precedes the power of God throughout the scripture. You see it. I want to give you a few passages of scripture for your notes. Matthew chapter 9 verse 2. Jesus just says the following. Take courage, your sins are forgiven. Well see, where, where I come from or where I was raised up, it would have been flipped. It would have been like, hey, your sins are, are forgiven, so now you can be brave. Hey, your sins are forgiven, so now you can be courageous. Your problem solved, so now you don't have anything to worry about. Isn't it interesting that it's flipped the other way? It's like, hey, don't worry about it. It's going to be taken care of. Here's another passage of Scripture that reveals that courage precedes power. Matthew chapter 9, verse 22. Jesus is speaking. He tells a woman, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once, the woman was made well. And then here's another guy. There's a guy. He, he has a need, and he needs Jesus to meet his need. 
And all hope is seemingly lost, but he refuses to give up. He's going to persevere. He's going to endure. He's going to hang in there and outlast his problem. He's crying out to Jesus, Jesus. He's literally causing a scene. And in the end, these words are spoken to him. They're spoken by the crowd that was keeping him back. These words are spoken to him by the problem that he was attempting to outlast. I can shout longer than the crowd. I'll let them all go hoarse and I'll still be here crying out, Jesus! I'll outlast them. The crowd finally turns to him and says, Take courage. Stand up because Jesus is calling for you. Courage precedes power. Read the rest of that in Mark chapter 10. You'll see the power that comes. It's hard for me to not read that and not just burst out crying. And then now here's kind of the the purpose and the reason. You know, I mentioned before we were going to find out a third thing and the key to releasing the power of God. Make no mistake, believers love to learn about the power of God. We love to hear about it. We buy books on it. We order CDs on it. We go to conferences about it. We love the power of God. We're infatuated with it, and we, we, we desire to prioritize it. But God's revealed some really awesome things, instruction and counsel, to function, operate in the power of God, and see the power of God released through our lives. And it's going to require courage. And courage is going to require hope. And hope is going to require joy and peace. Awesome news. Jesus provides all the joy and peace you'll ever need to mix up all the hope you could ever want. To have more courage than you could ever need for any trial, tribulation, or hardship. But courage will always precede power. And I want to give you a passage of Scripture as we begin to close here. Isaiah chapter 35. I want to read verses 2 through 6. Isaiah chapter 35, beginning in verse 2, it reads like this. They will see the glory of the Lord. Doesn't that sound good to you? They will see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. You've got to understand, the they there are the oppressed. The they there are the hurt, the wounded, the sick, the desperate, the rejected, the desolate. They will, they will see the glory of God and they will see the majesty of our God. Now, verse 3, encourage the exhausted. Encourage. Can you say encourage? Now, I want to just pause there before we keep reading. To you, not to Webster, but to you, what does encourage mean? And just let the wheels turn for a second. God's given you a wonderful mind. Encourage. I mean, what else could it mean but to put courage in? To encourage. 
If I were facing trial and tribulation and you came along filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the peace of Jesus Christ, the joy of Jesus Christ, combined in hope, and you were filled with strength and courage just as God would impart, and you came to me seeing that I needed that, and so you took from what you had and you put it into me through your words and your actions, you would encourage me. God's filling us with courage so that we can go and put courage in those who need it. Listen to this verse. Encourage the exhausted. Strengthen the weak. Say to those who are anxious and fearful, take courage, fear not. Behold, God will come and vindicate. He will come and repay and save you. Then, can you say then? Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. Then the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like the deer. Then the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. Then the waters will break out in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Then. Encouragement is a powerful thing. Encouragement will require us to be courageous. I can't put courage in you if I have none to give. A pursuit of the peace and the joy that Jesus brings into our life to combine together into hope that leads us to opening up our heart to receive the courage that God imparts and He puts in us through His Word and through the evidence of history is what makes us strong and courageous. But not so that we can just appear authoritative. It's not a mark that makes us into leaders. Rather, it's meant to be the living water that we pour out of us when we engage those who are in need, who are thirsty, who are hungry, who are fearful, who are anxious. So that the same way that God, who tells us to freely give as it was freely given to us, in the same way that He would come to you, a person who believes in Him and has a purpose, the same way that He would come to you and say, be strong, be courageous. Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. We can go to those who are in need who are in lack, who are in fear and anxiety and the captivity that comes with those things, and we can say, hey, whoa, be strong. Hang in there. Be courageous. God's with you. I can put the courage that He's put in me into you through my words and my actions. And then, and don't we all love what comes after the and then? And then you see the power of God manifest. What an awesome thing. Don't you want to pursue courage with all of your strength? I want to be a people who live the most courageous lives. A people who are absolutely grateful to have Jesus as our King, the source, the fountain for all hope and all peace, so that we can take those two things, combine them together, and abound in hope so that our hearts can be open and sensitive to receiving courage. And our lives can be strong and courageous. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.